Let's welcome our visitors. We are glad you are with us every Sunday, 9 and 11 o'clock. We have a great time. Midweek service, 6.30. Powerful children's ministry, youth ministry. Kelly was ready to preach today, I think. Glory to God. We need to get her back up again. And we're, we're glad to see all of you here today. You know, the word today is that, well, I'll give it to you in just a second, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Uh, things that many of us couldn't believe would ever happen. Uh, all of the challenges of what restroom to use, who's going to be offended, who's not going to be offended. Uh, what are we going to do about this? Well, if this party gets in office, we'll be okay. And if this party doesn't, we're not going to be okay. And if this thing passes through the Congress, we'll be okay. And if this person's president we'll be okay. But if the other person's president, we won't be okay. Folks, I plan to be okay no matter who does what. I believe we have the victory. We are not moved by what we see, only by what we believe. Is God going to weigh in on all these things? I believe so. But if certain things happen that I am praying don't happen, I'm going to be okay. And you're going to be okay if your focus is where it belongs, on the Lord, because we have the victory. Can you say that? Let's say, I have the victory. The Word of God says that thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And today we're going to talk about, I believe, one of the most important things that all of us need to settle in our spirit. Something that you've heard, I'm sure, over the years before. But in the very beginning... Uh, paraphrase the Bible real quickly. In the very beginning, God put man on this earth in his image so that they would subdue the earth and that they would influence the entire earth with the image of God, the love of God, and that the image of God would flow out of all of mankind to the entire world and that they would subjugate the entire world. That was God's plan. Now, we know sin and darkness came in. The devil came in, deceived Adam and Eve, or whether or not they were deceived or whether or not they were just stupid. They did the wrong thing that God told them not to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been there. You may never be able to say that again to your wife. But anyway, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Been there, done that. And, and that, so the, Jesus then was sent to, for God to restore back his original plan to mankind that his image would be seen throughout the world and that that image would come into a birth of mankind's spirit being rebirthed to the image of Christ and to the image of Almighty God and that we would walk and talk and be like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we get that deep within us, we then become an imitator of what God wants us to be. And I'm going to show you in scripture how we are instructed to do that. How many of you know that you are influenced by people or have been influenced by people over your life? You, all of us have been good and bad. And some of you've heard this story before, but in my life, I was greatly, as a young guy, influenced by my uncle, Uncle Bob. Some of you probably had an Uncle Bob like I'm about to discuss, uh, describe to you. I thought my Uncle Bob was the coolest guy. He was a great softball player back when they had tremendous softball leagues in this area. He played for Fairfield, and, and, and they, they had me as the bat boy as a little bitty guy. My Uncle Bob loved to drink beer. He drank the beer bottles with the big long necks. You know what I'm talking about? I think they call them long necks. How many of you know? what I'm talking about. How many of you really know what I'm talking about? 
and, uh, and he, he's had a way of drinking that beer that was so cool to me. And I just thought that he smoked cigars and he drank that beer. And I just thought he was the coolest guy around. And, and as the bat boy, I always got to sit in the back seat when he'd take me to the games and especially the road games. And he, I was only a little guy, about seven, eight years old. And I got to open the beer bottles for him. Now, back then you had, you didn't have the kind we have today. Back then you had to have the can opener and you open the beer bottle and all. I got to test Uncle Bob's beer every time I give him a little one up there front. And, and I got to liking that kind of stuff as a young guy. And I'll never forget the one time that Uncle Bob and my mom had a real confrontation. Columbia Park, we were at a ball game, softball game from Uncle Bob. And on the way home, he had the beer back there in the car. And I was sitting back there just sipping the beer and giving it to him when he wanted one. And he takes me to where my mom is at a PTA meeting for Linwood School at this lady's house. And he pulls out in front of the PTA meeting and I get out and have my little softball uniform on as a seven-year-old in my hat. And I get out and I went in the PTA meeting and they said, oh, Billy, where have you been? I said, I've been out getting drunk with my Uncle Bob. <laughs> that didn't go over too big with my mom. My mom got out to Uncle Bob real quickly in that car and proceeded to tell her brother what she thought of him doing to me. Well, I wasn't drunk, but I was abiding in some things that I shouldn't. As I got older, I continued to like to be like my Uncle Bob. But one day I found Jesus and I realized my Uncle Bob wasn't a real good example for me to follow. God had a better example and somebody else to imitate, not Uncle Bob, but to imitate Jesus. And if you get this message deep within your heart, it's, it's not about uh, having things or being somebody or what about me or focusing upon you all the time. Because if we are not intentionally focused upon Jesus, we'll always think about ourselves. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. You'll think what about more money? What about more attendance? What about more people? What about more this? What about more that? I'm talking to my wife right now. And, and, and you're always thinking about, Bob, what are all these things? What if we only thought about other people? What if our only focus was, I'm here on assignment by God to imitate His Son and to share Jesus everywhere that I go, and that my only concern is, who am I going to be able to influence today to be able to help be all that God wants them to be? We live that kind of a life. It will change our life. So the influence has to be to imitate who we're supposed to be imitating. I want to share a funny little story that happened years ago. I think I have it right. You can, Bonnie, tell me later. By the way, give Bonnie Beetle a hand. Bonnie, all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma, wanted to come up here and go to church. Bonnie helped us start this church, came up here, two unknowns coming to Lafayette, Indiana to start a church, and Bonnie said she wanted to come along. And then we got all her furniture, I had to stick on the back of the truck, and it was, but anyway, we're glad Bonnie's with us today. So, the story is, Bonnie is Pastor Sharon's, Doherty's, uh, at Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, a uh, personal assistant, administrative assistant, um, maintenance person, gopher, and uh, executive whatever. And uh, she, Paul Doherty is the pastor, but Bonnie really runs the ministry out there, Victory Christian Center. <laughs> but anyway, this story is about Paul. He's about 25, 30 now. But back when he was a young guy, maybe six, seven years old, he and his brother John, who are now adults pastoring the church, but they were, uh, they were out in the yard playing out back. And, and apparently Sharon Doherty has told the story many times that th whatever they were doing, she looked out the window and Paul is out there taking his clothes off. 
And uh, she goes out in the backyard. She said, well, what, what, what are you doing? It says, we're playing, we're playing the Bible and I'm playing Jesus and I'm going to the cross uh, or something to that effect. I'm not sure exactly what it was. And she said, well, you can continue to play it, but you're going to go with your clothes on. <laughs> so, anyway, he, he was imitating what he had been told in the story. All of us are influenced by something continually. The news media is trying to influence you. Advertising is trying to influence you. God wants you to be influenced by his son, Jesus. And that if we'll understand that and and that we would want to imitate Jesus in everything that we do, it's something that was God's original plan. God's original plan. I'm going to show you scripturally. But before we do, before we turn to, we're going to look at John chapter 15. I want to tell you a cute little story. I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told it before in this church, but it just fits the, uh, the story so well here today. <clears throat> Mother was baking cookies for her, two, for her family. And her two small boys were there with her while she was baking them. And she just brought them out of the oven. And she had a bunch of cookies and set them down on the table there. And the boys got into a fight. They were arguing and pushing about who's going to get to the cookies first. And, and they were just having a real hard time there. And the mom saw it. She said, boys, boys, settle down now. You're all going to get some. And they kept pushing and jostling one another. And, and finally she said, listen, boys, just be like Jesus. If Jesus were here He would let the other boy go first. He would never have to be first. So the one brother turned to the other and said, you be Jesus today. I'm getting the cookies. (laughs) Well, I think that's not exactly what she had in mind. But most of us spend too much time thinking about ourselves, and not enough time thinking about how to be like Jesus. As a matter of fact, I don't know very many people. Maybe you're an exception and you do this but would get out of bed in the the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice in it. I'm going to have a great day. And today God is going to show me how to imitate his son everywhere that I go. And people are going to see the love of Jesus flow out of me. They're going to feel the love of Jesus. And they're going to have a better day because I came on the scene. Nothing prideful. It's extremely important to realize all you are is a water carrier of the anointing of Jesus everywhere we go. And that when you walk into a room, you can change the spiritual climate of the room by your smile, by your love, and by the countenance and radiance of Jesus flowing through you. That's God's will. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want you to fulfill God's will. Because you may be around that person a lot. Now, in John chapter 15, verse 7, it's a scripture that we share a lot concerning receiving what God has for you. It says, if you abide in me, and if my word abides in you, you ask what you will or ask what you desire, and it shall be done. Then it goes on to say, herein is my Father glorified. But if you really look at that scripture, when it says, if you abide in me, the word abide means to coil about and to become one. It's really God's will for marriage. It's really God's will for our relationship with him, that you become so intertwined with one another that you just can't tell them apart. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you abide in me and you become so much one with me, then we are going to be together in everything that we do. And that's what the will of God is, that we would walk that walk and talk that talk and be influenced by what Jesus did and by what the word of God has to say. Years ago, somebody gave me a book 
And uh, it, it's a powerful, powerful book uh, that, that really, changed, dis- as soon as I read the book, it started to change my life, and then I became disappointed with the book. And I'll tell you why. The book is called In His Steps by Charles Shelton. And it's a story about a pastor, a pastor in a church who a man came to his church. The man was a street person, uh, uh, slept out in the, in the woods. Uh, he was kind of dirty. He smelled. He had terrible clothes. And when he came to his church, the people in the church just shied away from him and didn't want anything to do to him. And finally, the person said to the pastor, this person that, you know, if Jesus were here, he would not treat me the way that your people in your church treat me. And, and, and the pastor really took it to heart and he encouraged his people that they should all try to be like Jesus. Well, after reading the whole book, I was so charged up by the book. It was just an awesome book. And we had a class at Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa, uh, the school that we directed out there. And, and it was called Conforming to the Image of Christ. And I thought, this is the best book I've ever read concerning that. We're going to start to use it in this class, uh, Conforming to the Image of Christ. And then somebody who heard about it said to me, are you aware that's a book of fiction? It, it's not a true story. I said, no, no, it's a true story. A pastor, this is all about this pastor in this church. They said, no, 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 research it out. It's not true. And so I researched it out, and sure enough, the book was fiction. It wasn't a true story. It was a story that some author just wrote about a fictional church and a fictional pastor. I was so disappointed when I read that. And then I felt like I heard this inside my spirit. It didn't have to be fiction. That was my original plan. That was in my original plan. And so then I got all excited again, although we couldn't use the book for the course because it was fiction. But we are called to be like Jesus. Tell that person next to you, you are called to imitate Jesus. Now, you might say, well, how do I imitate Jesus? You, do, you imitate Jesus the same way I imitated my Uncle Bob. I knew what my Uncle Bob did. I knew how he drank. I knew how he smoked that cigar. Can you imagine your pastor up here with an Anthony and Cleopatra cigar? How many of you are cigar smokers or were cigar smokers? Do you dare raise your hand? Nobody. Anthony and Cleopatra is about that long. And you get that cigar. You've never seen me with a cigar, have you? I looked handsome, but I looked, but I smelled. <laughs> Cigars smell. Well, well, the reason I say this is because you imitate Jesus the same way. You ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You study Jesus. How would Jesus handle situations? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How do we imitate Christ? Well, how did he live his life? What did he do? How did he handle things? I want to share a couple of stories with you. How many of you remember Harvey Prather? See your hands. Very few of you. Okay, very few of you. Harvey, I knew Harvey when I was about four or five years old. We go back that far. And Harvey used to ride his bicycle uh, up and down this street. And uh, Harvey is... He's probably about 80 now, probably about 85 maybe. And, uh, and he would ride his bicycle up this and down the street. So one day I stopped him and I said, Harvey, why don't you come to church here? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. And so a couple of days later he came in and I said, Harvey, not, not on a Sunday, but during the week he came in. I said, Harvey, are you going to come to church? He said, nope, need some money. I said, okay. And so we ran him through benevolence and gave him a little bit of money. And a couple of days later, we came back again and needed some more money. Still not coming to church, just coming in for money. Well, we kept giving him money and kept giving him money. And finally, benevolence asked me one day, why are we giving this money? You won't come to 
church? And I said, I don't know. Just keep giving them money, whatever. And, and so finally one day Harvey shows up. After a couple of months, it was a couple of months, maybe longer, and sat on that back row back there, and he never left. He just sat and sat and sat, and he began to hear the Word of God. Now, Harvey was rough around the edges, those of you that know Harvey. Harvey uh, didn't look like the rest of us. He didn't smell like the rest of us. He was different. And so finally one day, I'm going to tell you the story in just a moment. It'll make sense to you about the woman and Jesus. But finally one day I told one of the uh, ushers, I, I forget who it was, I said, why don't you go see Harvey? He lived a couple blocks over here. I said, why don't you go uh, see Harvey and take him some uh, deodorant and some uh, uh, soap and some stuff. And, and he said, what do, you, what do you want me to do with that? And I said, ask Harvey to use it. And, uh, and, and that, uh, you know, but do it tactfully and do it with love. How many of you realize that you can find people that are down in the gutter, but you don't want to leave them there? You, you can find somebody that's really hurting, but you don't want to leave them hurting. You want to love them. You don't want to tell them, you, don't, you know, you don't want to tell them you smell, you need to clean up. But by the same token, you've got to figure something to help people be all that God wants them to be. Jesus came to lift people up, not to just look at them and leave them. And so, I wasn't sure how, the, uh, how Harvey was going to handle it. That's why I sent somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure how Harvey was going to handle it. And Harvey lived. I, I, the house is still here. I know the house. It can go way up the steps. It's real steep. And, and all I could think of was Harvey pushing the guy down the steps. And, but pretty soon the guy came back, and, I, and he had a smile on his face, and he was all in one piece. And I said, how'd it go? And he said, well, great. And I said, what Harvey say? And he said, thanks. He said, he didn't have any money for deodorants, and he really thanked us for helping him. And we helped Harvey with deodorant after that and with other things. Harvey wasn't like he was because he wanted to be. Harvey was like he was because of the dominant influences on his life as a young man and growing up. Once he came to this church, he began to change. I go see Harvey about every other day because he's transitioning into heaven. Uh, Harvey's ready to go. He knows he's ready to go. And, and, and <laughs> you, this is not going to sound funny to you, but it is funny. And I'm ready for Harvey to go <laughs> because I constantly go to see Harvey and they say, he's dying. Today he's dying. I run out to see Harvey and I told Pam, I said, I, he doesn't have any family. I just want to be there with him when he goes on. And I get there and I get all settled and he looks like he's dying. He acts like he's dying. And I hold his hand. And I say, Harvey, it's okay to go. And he opens his eyes and says, Pastor Bill. And he hangs on. <laughs> I, I, I told one of the nurses, I said, I think I need to stay away because maybe he'll go on. But he just keeps hanging on. Maybe it's not his time. I don't know. But I know this. Because of the love of this church, Harvey Prather is going to Jesus. Because of the imitation of Jesus in this church to him, his life was totally changed and transformed. We can look at it from right or wrong and say, was it right that he came in here and got money and he didn't come to church here? Who knows? Who cares? Got a lot of money. Why not give it to somebody and hope that it'll change their life for eternity? And that's what exactly has happened with Harvey. So what happens then is that we believe that we are on a mission for God. Many, a few years ago, Pam uh, heard Rush Limbaugh. Now, now, Pam is not a Rush Limbaugh fan. Do we have any Rush Limbaugh fans in here? I, 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 not very many. Okay, well, your pastor, is, your pastor is one, but that's all right. He's very controversial. But you preached a message on, on loan from God. Talent on loan from God. Talent on loan from God. You are talent on loan from God for this earth, 
for the length of time that you're going to be here. And your talent to be like Jesus can save a multitude of people from the sin and from the darkness of this world just by you loving them right where they are. No matter how they act, no matter how they treat you, Jesus said, love those who spitefully use you. Now, you may not hang out with them and you may not go out and have a few beers with them, which you shouldn't. Glory to God. How many of you are reformed beer drinkers or other stuff like that? And yeah, you know, a lady came up to me one day. I was talking about how I I used to drink Coors beer and that I just love Coors beer. And she came up to me after church and she said, I bet you're glad that you got delivered from that awful tasting stuff. And I said, oh, honey, I never thought it was awful tasting. (laughs) Never thought it was awful tasting. I quit drinking beer because God told me to not because I didn't like the taste of it. What happens then is we get to the point when we want to determine, am I going to imitate God and his son Jesus, or am I going to just imitate the world? The world? And, and what happens then, I know I say this and it sounds funny, but it's very true. If you, if you want to imitate Jesus and you really submit your life to him, when you walk into the room, you will brighten the room. Some people only brighten the room when they leave the room. You know what I'm talking about. And and that's true. It's true. Some people just carry this doom and gloom on them all the time. Why? Because they're thinking about things they shouldn't be thinking about, and they're not looking at the people around them. All of us have something that isn't going right. All of you have something in your life that needs to be improved or you're hoping that will change. But if you focus on that, It's not going to be something that's going to make you like Jesus. It's going to be something that drives you away from Jesus. And the Word of God in uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Actually, there's another scripture I wanted uh, to go through. It's Ephesians 5.1. And Ephesians 5.1 says that imitate God as dear little children. How many of you know that little children just love to imitate mommy and daddy? And, and that's one of the problems we have in the world today. We've got a lot of mommy and daddies who over the years haven't been imitators of Christ, so it didn't come down to the children. Your, your children should see Jesus in mom and dad, and then they'll be like mom and dad. You all grew up to be like somebody. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to grow up to be like my Uncle Bob, and then I realized, no, I don't really want to be like my Uncle Bob, but unfortunately I am going that direction. Uh, I, I want to grow up to be like who God wants me to be, and God wants you to be like Jesus. So a mom and dad are supposed to be like Jesus in their family, imitating him to the best of their ability. And, and I've shared this story over the years, many, many years, but when Daniel, uh, our grandson Daniel was... Well, when he was newborn, uh, John and Elizabeth came and lived with us, and, and Daniel was with, was with me all the time. And, and uh, we would take him to, nobody would take him to the nursery because he hated to go to the nursery, and they knew I would push him in the door and shut the door and leave him, which I did. And, and, uh, but it was the daycare center, Noah's Ark or something like that. But afterwards, I, I'd pick Daniel up, and he'd come to the church with me. Weren't you here at that time? Wouldn't he tape you to the... He was like four or five years old. But one day, I was walking through the sanctuary, and Daniel was following me. And uh, I just I, I did something with the chair, and I moved it, and I walked on by. And I looked at him, and he walked up and did the same thing with the chair. 
And I thought, well, that's interesting. Is he just imitating me? And I went on down the road and I did something else. And, and then I picked my leg up and did something. I looked back and he picked his leg up and did something. And, and, and everywhere I went, he was doing the same thing I was doing. And I felt like the Lord said, that's how it was intended to be. You be an imitator of me as dear little children, because the love of God is in your heart. And I want that to flow so that others will imitate that too. So see, that is the will of God. And if we stay focused on where we need to be focused, then we'll complete and fulfill God's will. This earth is getting darker and darker and darker. Now you can pray that it's not going to continue to get darker. You should. You can pray that all the things that are written in Matthew 23, 24 aren't going to happen. You could. But Jesus said they're going to happen. To me, it's kind of a waste of prayer to pray for something that's not going to happen that you know Jesus said is going to happen. You can read 2 Timothy chapter 3 and say, nope, it's not going to happen. But God said it's going to happen. Why did he say all these things are going to happen? So that we would be prepared. So that we wouldn't be moved by the things that are going to happen when we see them happen so that we would be prepared. And the best way you can be prepared is to know that you have the victory through your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen with these silly things the city council's trying to do here in Lafayette, Indiana. I don't know if they're going to open the restrooms up like Target did. You know, Target, I boycotted Target. How many of you realize Target, you can go to any bathroom you want. This, where was I the other day? Yesterday, I went in the wrong bathroom. But then I realized I was in Lafayette, I'd be okay. Uh, what, uh, I did. Where, where was I yesterday? Oh, Solar Bay, or uh, Hip and Seal. Doing, uh, Bob Lee's wife went on to be, I think we already shared that with the Lord, doing the service. And, and well, I guess I can't stop it now. I had to go to the bathroom before the service. So I, I, I real quickly ran in because the service was getting ready to start. I went in there and I realized this restroom looks differently. You girls have different restrooms. And, but, but anyway, I, I came out, but somebody probably saw me and they probably saw this one of those poor, unfortunate guys who doesn't know what he is. I know what I am. Now, I got in the right restroom. But don't let that make you... A, a tight person like oh my goodness I can't function if we don't have this ordinance passed the way I think it should be I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to be fine I'm hoping they don't pass it but I'm going to be fine whether they do or whether they don't I am not going to be moved by stupid people in a stupid government doing stupid things we are above all of that. We have the answer. We know where we're going. We're the head, not the tail. We're above, not beneath. And we're going to imitate Christ in every single thing that we do. Now, the Word of God goes on to say, we know this, that Jesus loved people. He loved people. And he, he wanted the best for people. And when, when I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I, I, I came under the teaching of a pastor out there, that, that Pastor Billy Joe Doherty. <clears throat> Some of you have seen him on television. He's in heaven right now. But he was a tremendous influence in my life. And, and I know that that man saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. But I saw something in him that I just fell in love with. And I didn't know what it was when we first got there. But I know what it was now. It was the love of Jesus. He was an imitator of Christ in all that he did. He loved people. He touched people. He went all around the world. He always felt the best about people. He basically operated that if you didn't have something good to say about somebody, you shouldn't be talking. 
You should be praying for them. You should be speaking the word over them. You should be speaking forth those things that you want to see in their life. And, and I learned so much from that person. And I, he was, to me, a walking, talking in Romans 8.29. And the, eight, Romans 8.29 says this, that, that, that Jesus, the, the firstborn among many brethren, that, 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 he, that we are to be conformed to his image. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Every single one of you sitting here, Will, Vicki, Jerry, Joe, Luan, uh, Laura, Laura Lynn, <laughs> been years since I've misnamed you, hasn't it? I've messed up her name so many years. Uh, in other words, we are called to be like Jesus and conform to his image. If you're around somebody that is projecting that image, buy into it. Study Jesus. What was he like? How did he handle people? What did he do so that you can pass it along in your sphere of influence? You might say, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't have a lot of people or whatever. Every single person sitting here has a sphere of influence we will never have. You have a sphere of influence I'll never have. I have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence. And every single one of us could reach the world out of this church right here just with our sphere of influence everywhere that we go. People are hurting. Now, the good news is that as the world gets darker, what's going to happen to our light? It's going to get brighter. What's going to happen to the mission field? It's going to be larger and larger. Hurting people, perilous times. We are going to have the answer to the world. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can you say amen? Tell your neighbor, I have the answer. We have the answer for the entire world, and we have it within us. Now, in, if, if you uh, would turn to John chapter 8, I want to give you an example as we kind of come to a conclusion here of of what Jesus was like and how important it is to understand all that he gave to us. It's the story of the woman that was caught in the midst of adultery. If you wanted to compare it to something today, if you can think of the most horrific thing that there is, you know, who knows what your thing is. But it, it was, it's like that. That was, it was punishable by death. And if you want to imitate Christ, then you have to know how did he operate. Years ago, I asked my wife, uh, she bought me a bracelet. I, I really asked her to buy it. I think it was for Christmas a few years ago. Uh, I, wanted a bra- I wanted something that I could put WWJD on. What would Jesus do? And you have to look really close on this bracelet, but all the way around it, it's WWJD. What would Jesus do? I wanted a reminder I don't think you have to have jewelry to try to imitate Christ, but reminders never hurt. And I can't tell you how many times I have felt like telling somebody what I felt and realizing that this thing says, no, I really should try to be an imitator of Jesus. Some of you've heard the story. I'm digressing from John chapter 8. Some of you... Uh, heard the story that I, I was blessed with a car recently and uh, love my car, love my car. And uh, so I was driving my car uh, <clears throat> Saturday and I went through the car wash and uh, it's just such a pretty car. I just love my car. And so I, uh, I bought one of those uh, 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 fast eddies, uh, it's called the crew now, those things where you go through, you pay so much a month and you go through. So you go through as many times, keep your car clean. So I went through and 
And I was driving down the road and I was just praying about the message and I was going to go back behind Walmart. And, and just, I just really, just really felt good. And all of a sudden, uh, I saw, uh, I guess you call it a gaggle of geese. Uh, I called them something else, but uh, but this gaggle of geese took off and took and it was just such a neat flight. And I was watching this flight, and I got my roof back, and I'm watching these geese. <laughs> You're way ahead of me, aren't you? And and all of a sudden, and these things are hitting my car, and it sounds like explosions. And then some of it comes in through the open roof, and I am thinking. Man, Duck Dynasty, I'd like to kill all those geese. <laughs> so I pull over behind Walmart. Now, one moment, I'm absolutely, absolutely wired, feeling good with the Lord. And the next moment, I am infuriated. These geese have messed with my car, my gift from God. So I, I go behind Walmart, and I, I, I got a bottle of water there. So, I, so I, I'm trying to wipe it all down. And then I, they got, I thought they just got the top and then spliced in the back seat. And I got new leather seats, and I'm wiping the leather. And, and then I got it all done. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And I look down, and there's a great big one that hit right on the floor mat. Thank God it was a floor mat. Hit right on the floor. And all of a sudden, I just started laughing. I can't even describe to you what was going through my mind. I can't share it with you what was going through my mind. But when I started laughing, I started laughing and laughing and laughing. And absolutely, that, that heaviness just lifted right off. Well, Jesus said, I come to give you my joy so that your joy would be full. What's a little geese poop? Ha! Didn't bother me. <laughs> but I know this. The next time I see them flying, I'm not going to admire those suckers. I'm shutting my roof. I don't know what there is. I, it seems to me like ever since I've had this a car, it's white. Uh, I don't know if they like white or if it's just a demonic attack. But uh, you see me swerving down the road, it's because there's geese up there. <laughs> Now, what we've got to do is understand that no matter what happens, everybody say, no matter what happens, should not change our continence. It should not change our assignment. I'm here to imitate Jesus, and I'm here to influence somebody so that they can be a better person and accomplish God's plan. The woman with the issue of, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the woman caught in the midst of adultery was brought by the religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, who knew? And, and they brought her to Jesus and they threw her down on the ground in front of Jesus. And they said, the law of Moses says that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? They were testing Jesus and trying to trick him into coming against the law and say something else. I don't know exactly what all it meant, but I think they knew how much Jesus had love pouring from him. That's why he attracted so many people. Love will always attract people. Telling people how bad they are only dispels people from you. They just want to get away from you. You tell people how good they are and how much God's got a plan and a purpose for their life. And for whatever reason, they were trying to get him to, to come against the law of Moses. And he basically looked up and, and, and then he wrote something in the ground. And, and then he said, you know, those of you that are without sin, cast the first stone. And it says one by one, all of these religious leaders felt convicted in their heart and they began to walk away. 
And finally, it was just he and the woman. He wrote something else in the ground. And then he said, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? And she said, there are none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. He accepted her just like she was in the midst of her sin. She didn't come and say, I ask your forgiveness. She came being caught in the act of one of the most horrible sins that can be committed during that time frame. She didn't ask for his forgiveness, but he said, I don't condemn you. But then he said something so powerful. He didn't leave her where she was. He said, go and sin no more. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we go the wrong way too much. We, we tell people that God loves you and that everything is okay and that you're going to be okay. But Jesus added something to that. He said, go, I don't condemn you, but sin no more. In other words, don't do what the devil is telling you to do. Don't go the way of the world. Go the way my father has set before you. And that's what we have the ability to do. See, if you just tell people, God loves you and que sera, sera, keep doing whatever you do and he'll always love you. We haven't helped that person. We've let that person continue to go the wrong way. We need to tell the person there is a heaven, there is a hell. And that if you keep doing and going the direction you're going, you may take yourself directly to hell, but God's doing everything he can to save you from that. When they see that love in us, they're going to want what we have. And therefore, as we become imitators of God as dear little children, we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if Harvey walked in this place and said, I need some money? If Jesus had the money, I believe he'd give him the money. What would Harvey do if he caught somebody in the midst of a horrible sin? Harvey, is that what I said? I would already Harvey would say, get the pastor. No, well, you know, what do we do when we find somebody in the midst of the sin? Hey, I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. But I am telling you this. Jesus loves you unconditionally. Why don't you just accept Jesus into your heart and live the life he has for you so that you can be everything that God wants you to be? Let's stand to our feet. I believe that we have the answer for the world. There are going to be people that are going to go to the, con- the city council meeting and the county council meeting next week. Uh, and, and they're going to kind of, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to do whatever they feel God's wanting them to do, I hope. But we should not look like the world. We should not be the angry people on television yelling and screaming and chanting and all those things. We should be walking slowly through the crowd like Jesus did, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves everyone, and I am here to imitate God and to share with you the will of God. If you want to receive it, fine. If you don't, fine. It will not stop me from loving you. And Jesus never stopped loving people because of the way they acted or because of the way they were. God loves every sinner on the face of the earth. Hell was created for the devil and for powers and principalities of darkness. It was not created for mankind. Heaven is what God wants every person to experience, eternal life. But because of sin and because of the darkness of this world, Jesus came, gave his life so that we would have eternal life. And there's only one condition. It isn't giving up sin. It's giving up your life. 
to receive Jesus who will take your sin. You can't do anything about your sin. Jesus will come into your heart and take your sin. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know for sure that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? When Judy Lee breathed her last breath there in the hospital, she opened her eyes and saw Jesus. What a glorious moment for her. We pray for the family, but she is alive and well. Not because she lived a perfect life, because she had a Savior who was perfect, and she had received her Savior. Maybe you're here today, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you're here today, and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal child. You know that you have drifted away from God. God loves you. God has a plan for your life, and He wants you to come home. And all over this church, if you'd say, Pastor, you've described me. I I know my life is not right with God. I I know that there are things that I just just know I need to let Jesus come in and, and take care of them for me. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We'll take just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit move. Father, I know that you know every single person here. You know those that are with you walking with you. You know if there are any that are astray from you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, that means I am speaking and preaching and sharing today with the body of Christ. Every one of you then know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you this question. My desire, what if, what if all of our desire were what I shared earlier? We got up in the morning and we said, you know, Lord, this is the day you have made. I shall rejoice in it. Show me how to imitate Jesus in everything that I do so that I can be a walking, talking vessel of Jesus Christ on this earth. How many of you in the book, the fiction book that I read, In His Steps, The pastor encouraged the people, how would you like to make a 30-day confession that you would, for 30 days, always ask yourself, what would Jesus do? I shared this a long time ago with some of the youth, or maybe it was in a service after the youth. WWJD, what would Jesus do? One of the youth came up and said to me, you know, I do that WWJD too. I said, oh, you do? Say, yep. But when I say it, I say, who would Jesus date? I said, well, I think that's not exactly the way WWJD means, but that coming from a typical youth, that went over well. How many of you, not to make a confession for 30 days, but would say, I desire to imitate Jesus every moment, of every day for the rest of my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand high? My hand is is raised high. Now for me to be able to do it, I need more than a bracelet on my wrist. I need more than a desire in my heart. 
I need help from God. I need help from God with my emotions. Father, you see every hand that's lifted. Lord, only you know the number of people that could be influenced by our lives if we truly walk out this confession. We ask you to anoint us, Lord, with the anointing that your son had through the power of your Holy Spirit. And that as we make this confession, Lord, that you would help us to be everything that you already desire for us to be. And we thank you for that. Let's make this confession. Lord, help me to imitate Jesus for the rest of my life. Every moment of every day, I yield to you. And I desire to imitate Jesus. I know I can do it with your help. You've shown me in your word. You've shown me in your spirit that you desire that I be like Jesus. Therefore, I boldly make this declaration. From this moment forward, I shall be an imitator of my Lord and Savior. I shall be conformed to his image to touch the world. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer, that this is a day of new beginning as we focus upon the world to imitate your son. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a hand.